She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar. Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. You're on notice, parents. If you don't embrace the idea that your child is trans and wants to be a different gender, the school district will be their parent, and you are the abuser, and we will, in some cases, even take your child from you if you continue to oppose their gender ideology. Hey, welcome back to another edition of Making the Leap. Glad you're here. Thanks for downloading the show, and as always, thanks for telling folks about it. We are really pleased that a number of you have been sending us notes about people or uh, topics that you'd like to hear on the show. Keep those coming, please. We've gotten some great submissions on future conversations. Previous episodes on things like special education Mm -hmm. in Christian education is a hot topic that I know many people have had more say about. So uh, keep those suggestions coming. We Love to hear from you. There is no shortage of news to catch up on. You know, the last few shows, we've had great guests. Every now and again, we kind of like to stop and just take a look at the news and the headlines because there's always plenty. It's a fire hydrant. I was going to say a hotbed of things happening all over the country, for yeah. sure. Uh, and we can go in any direction. I guess I would start with, um, I have what I now call the transgender stack. It's, I shouldn't it, laugh. I should not laugh. That's actually horrifying. I should not laugh. I, I continue to marvel, and I. It's deeper than we have time, uh, and it's really not the the purview of this show to go into maybe the cultural or political reasons why. But mm-hmm. it's just undeniably true that this issue of uh, transitioning kids, talking to kids about gender, and changing their gender or their pronoun usage, and the fight now that exists between public schools, the courts, parents, families, communities, is white hot. And it it seems that in just the last few years, I I suppose it's been going on longer than that. But again, as I rack my brain and consider our own kids, Mm -hmm. um, we have a daughter who's entering her freshman year of high school. Mm -hmm. I don't recall her going through this. I don't recall our boys who are a little older than her going through it. It feels like just the last... I mean, literally when we decided to pull Anna and put her into private Christian school, it seems about that time, right around COVID, and right after COVID, it just seemed like, wham, everything was about trans and pronouns. I do think that's, you know, I remember that all three of our kids had a health education curriculum through their school, and it was right around that fourth, fifth grade age, even with our oldest, where that's one of the areas that I kind of felt like I was... In and over. Like, I'm going to look at that curriculum. We had to sign papers at that point. Um, All parents were invited to look everything over. But that was the one where I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a look. Now, it was not with our sons. It was not for any transgender type thing. I was actually looking at things like uh, sexual behavior, um, abstinence, appropriate names for everything, what kind of videos are you showing? It was that content that I was watching when our when our youngest, when our daughter was coming through sixth grade, because they did variations of this curriculum, as we've seen across the country in states that are contesting things. They did variation, you know, they would add to it every every year progressively. It it got more and more and more. And it was when she was in sixth grade when she was home and I was listening and paying attention um, through the computers because of all the virtual learning and our oldest was um, in high school, that was when I was kind of like, oh, they're talking, oh, they're talking about some gender topics. They're talking about things that I would not have expected. Um, not in any detailed way, but teachers that were saying, um, going along the lines of, Everybody has different feelings, and it's okay if you're experiencing this or if you feel uncomfortable in your skin, and these are the people you want to talk to. And I remember our You daughter, remember personally overhearing that? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I remember hearing in their oldest one in his health class, actually, was not gender, though, but it was a massive red flag. And we actually, he and I had a conversation about it. It was not gender related. It was um, pregnancy related. Um, his He was a sophomore. So I, and by that point, I was like, we've had plenty of conversations and talks. I wasn't super worried, but I happened to be with him a lot for his classes to make sure. So this was like was 2020, 2021. Yeah, this was 2021. We were out in Pennsylvania. Yes. And we were, um, it was in the spring because they always did all this education stuff in the spring. Two things had happened. Um, she came home with a, 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 a topic where she said, mom, I feel like my teacher handled all the issues with, with all the gender stuff just fine. She said, sometimes girls feel like boys and boys feel like girls. And I was like, mm. Let's, we're going to talk about that for a minute. And I, it was one time, it was one class session. I did not hear that, but she was, was telling grade? me this was, she was sixth. She See, was sixth. I, I, you're, as you're telling me this, literally, as we sit here and talk about this, yeah. I don't recall that we it ever had this discussion. It was a flash quick thing. And I was like, what? And so we had some good conversation. Um, she was in school? When that happened? That, by that point, she was in for spring um, because they were going like hybrid days and they were sometimes there and sometimes right. not. Um, but that one was an in-school one. Now, our oldest one, that was virtual still, but it was still that sophomore year. It was still that 21-ish, 2021 time. He was in a conversation um, in his health class, which is where they were talking about all this. And that teacher was talking about unintended, un intended pregnancies. And if that is a conversation you're having, if you're uncomfortable, something's happened with sex, something along those lines, here are all the people you can go to. And that teacher listed off the nurse, a trusted advisor at school, a teacher, a coach, down the line, and then finally said, and of course, if you're comfortable, you can talk to your parents. And I was sitting in the cl- in the living in the classroom. I was sitting in the living room while he was listening, and he looked up at me immediately because he knew. I was like, he just gave off every person that you could talk to when you're discussing sexual activity, pregnancy, what to do. You're freaking out. You're scared if you get pregnant accidentally. I say accidentally in quotes. And he said, this coach, it was a coach, this teacher said, and if you're comfortable, of course, we always recommend going to your parents. But it was the last list of people on a whole long list that I would not at all prefer the kids go to. And But it wasn't gender related, but the sixth grade topic was gender. And that was the first time I really remember hearing it. And that was 2021. And I know for a fact, when I taught the health class topics, um, all the sexual education. When I was a teacher, gender was not even a thing. See, it was what, never a topic. The reason I'm asking and the reason I think it's important is because I still believe there are probably many millions of parents who tell themselves, because I was this guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, if you had come to me and told me even three years ago, mm-hmm. oh, the kids are being taught that it's okay if they don't feel like they're the gender they are, I, I'm not sure I would have been inclined to believe that it was a systemic thing being taught. I would have been inclined to believe, okay, well, that's a lunatic teacher. That can't be pervasive. Mm-hmm. I would have talked myself into dismissing it. And as we know, I believe, there are millions of parents who are still talking themselves right. into believing this is a one-off or this is fringe. This doesn't happen in our district probably. Right. Or if it does, it's one kooky teacher. This is not a cultural thing. And what I'm here to say is I don't know when it happened, I wasn't paying attention, I'll be honest. This is here, it's here to stay, and it's getting degrees worse, it seems, with every passing month. Well, just recently, I you know, I was sharing the story with you, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when it happened, but just recently here in a, in a district right near us, um, I, I from what I'm understanding as I read through the articles, last year there were some students in a local district that applied for and received a grant for a gender-affirming closet to be installed in a... Closet. Closet, which is the most hilarious use of a word. So they wanted this little room to be a safe space, a, a, a location for somebody to go to who did not feel comfortable dressing at home in the gender that they felt they identified with. So they wanted to create a spot at the school where those students could go change clothes, apply makeup, 
have access to materials and support, whatever, literally and figuratively, um, undergarments, things like that, and have it in the school. Now, the thing was, the, the big, I guess, kerfuffle, for lack of a better word, the students applied for this grant. Administrators and teachers had to sign off on it before they applied for this grant. They received the grant. And the grant was from who? Like a federal grant, do you yes. know? I, no, I don't think it was a federal grant. State I think grant? it was from another, just from another organization. Oh, like a private organization. Yes, a private organization. Okay. It wasn't a federal grant. But they applied for this, received it, and then I think as news of this leaked out, the school district declined it. So this was out of a couple of different articles that were actually shared on The Lion, which is the publication that Herzog yes. shares out um, for people to read. Uh <laughs> It started making the waves on social media, and I was kind of like, what? And I thought, there's got to be more to no, the story. No, it sounds absurd. I, right. Again, I want, what I want people to understand is this stuff sounds impossible to sane people. It sounds bizarre, circus, carnival nonsense. Like, you, you wouldn't even believe it. And you, you tell yourself, right. we're in a really great district. Right. Like, with people that are sophisticated with right. money, and we don't, yeah. we don't do this kind no, of stuff. No, I don't think that matters. No, this is, this is a primetime yeah. suburban... High-ranking district. High-ranking district. And here's the here's where it really got, I think, troublesome for a lot of people, was that um, initially the school denied that they had applied for this grant, but court docu- or not court doc- documents were um, requested and received, um, showing that district officials had signed off on it. They initially started by making a statement saying our district did not apply for the grant. Then they came back and said, well, we didn't accept the grant. And when those documents were sh- were received, like when they were you know, asked for and received, it clearly showed that there was an admin, a principal signing off on this. So they tried to deny that they even applied for it. <laughs> and there were students that had gone in to apply for it with the support of and backing of admin and principals. What's it called? A gender closet? A gender a gender affirming closet. Gender affirming closet. And then I really and, and the idea would be they would build or create or assign a, a, a space in the yep. school where you could go and change into your costume. Yep. It was to establish a gender affirming closet and commission <laughs> oh and to also have a um, LGBT themed mural to be placed in or near the closet that was going to be um, put up by a local queer artist. This closet will serve as a safe place for students who may be questioning how they express themselves with items such as clothing, makeup, jewelry, binders, pronoun or pride flag pins, as well as comfortable furniture. Um, That was information that was taken from the application that was basically requested to go ahead and take a look at. Um, We also plan to hire a local queer artist to create a mural nearby, um, to bring in community involvement outside the school. Uh, And the problem is that a lot of these spaces that are being created, they are in fact designed to allow students who maybe aren't comfortable at home to come home change what they need to change, and then carry on about their day, which is, of course, totally hiding it from the parents. And this is a dovetail story into what I have several like this today. Uh, This is the consistent theme. Hiding, keeping your children in hiding and keeping them in secret and secret conversations. The school now becomes this sanctuary of secrets for your child. And, and, and I've had leftists on social media say to me, well, ch- children, children have rights, and uh, if they're struggling and they're mentally ill and, and they're hurting and uh, they're afraid to tell their parents they have a right to go somewhere to be safe, to be who they are. And, and I just, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, yes, as a human being, mm-hmm. everyone deserves to be well-treated, not abused. Mm-hmm. I, I, we would certainly not advocate anyone be cruel. No. But the notion that children... Uh, and their their flights of fancy, their imaginations, that their right. emotions would trump you as a parent is the most right. preposterous thing that is now being embraced as as uh, the law of the land in many states. I, I have stories in front of me here, right. and I'll just run through some. Uh, and I've talked about these already, I think, on previous shows. This is kind of older news now. Mm-hmm. In New Jersey, a a judge has sided with the state of New Jersey. If you missed the previous show where we referenced it, a New Jersey state judge blocked three school districts in New Jersey who had a very simple 
request. It, it, was, it was easy. <laughs> yeah. School district said, if somebody comes to you and you work for this school district, if a kid comes to you and says, I don't think I'm the gender I was born or I want to use different pronouns or I want to start dressing like a different gender, the first people you've got to call are the parents. Three school districts came up with that very common sense approach in New Jersey. <laughs> the governor of the state, the attorney general of the state, sued to block these school districts from implementing this common sense approach. And that should be a red flag. Heaven help us. Right. There. Heaven help us. A judge, a New Jersey state judge sided Agreed. with the governor and the attorney general and told these three school boards, no, they could not implement a policy of telling the parents first. I'd love to know if there are parents. I'd be, I would be one flipping out because New Jersey is another state too, where they really changed their, uh, curriculum, their health, you know, their health education curriculum, where they were starting to bring in topics that were opening the doors for um, LGBTQ type themes as well, young as second, first, and even kindergarten. Here it is. Uh, when it comes to education in New Jersey, it looks like male and female are out, gender neutral terms in. Yes, the that was- Board of Education in New Jersey adopted an equity policy. Uh, the readoption vote passed six to five board members agreeing Wednesday to several language changes, including using more gender neutral terms, changing minority female and male to all students. Um, it went on to say many parents rights advocates packed into the meeting to express their discontent with the changes, blah, blah, blah. That's good. Phil Murphy released a statement saying that his goal has been to protect students based on their sexual orientation and gender identity <laughs> since 2003. So, I mean, he's saying yeah. and suggesting that this stuff's been around since at least then, well, the early 2000s. And I was still teaching in the early 2000s, and I granted I was in Missouri. I wasn't out on the East Coast. It's probably, there probably were things happening in different places, but when do you no think our way kids, would I ever. When do you think our kids first heard the concept that you may not be the gender you were born? I really, like, I I wonder if they heard that years before you and I even started oh, thinking I'm about this. Positive they did, because I, I do remember a couple of them coming home once in a while with questions like, did you know this could happen? Or did you, you know, being younger, I'm like, what? Like, where are you hearing this? And it would be things that we all kind of dismissed, like on the bus, it was something. And, and they all knew they all, we never encouraged or asked or, you know, uh, permitted derogatory terms to be used, things like that. But they knew those terms. They'd been hearing them from other people. But hearing it in school, I don't, I just don't think, I, from a teacher, I just don't think they did. I don't think they did hear that in school. I think they heard it from other kids whose families probably were far more progressive slash liberal than we were, then they would come home. Because I can think about political conversations we've had where they were like, well, I heard this at so-and-so's house. And you and I would kind of deconstruct that a little bit and kind of take that apart and talk to them um, and then make sure that we were sharing our belief system, our value, you know, as we always had been, but just kind of to reiterate. Uh, but again, I think about what our kids hear in church now when we're all sitting there and our pastor is very clearly saying men are men, women are women, God created them as such. And they did not hear that in church. So I can't very, I can't say with certainty they didn't hear it in school, but enough friends of ours were moving in the kind of the same wheelhouse of beliefs that we were that if that had been happening, I think we would have been hearing about it far sooner. Four more states. Federal appeals court upholds ruling giving Indiana transgender students key bathroom access. A federal appeals court has upheld a lower court ruling. Transgender students in Indiana must have access to bathrooms and locker rooms consistent with their gender identities. Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals ruling Tuesday upheld a preliminary injunction uh, ordering the Metropolitan School District of Martinsville and Vigo County Schools in Indiana to give the transgender students such access. Uh, to the, their own restroom facilities. Uh, to the restroom facility that they wish to use. Oh, okay. Students who okay. are denied access to the appropriate facilities are caused both serious emotional and physical harm. 
if they are denied recognition of who they are, so they will often avoid using the restroom altogether. Schools should be safe places for kids, and refusal to allow a student to use correct facilities can be extremely damaging. And, you know, there might be people that, you know, kind of are like, why are we talking about this? That kind of thing. Like, so, you know, I don't know, move your kids or put them in a different school. But if you if you're not moving them yet, if you're choosing to keep them where they are, I think these are important conversations because they really do showcase a bigger problem that uh, that the, is the in courts, existence. The courts are siding against you. Right. I want I want right. everyone to understand it's not just the schools, it's not just the school districts and even radical governors. Right. Now it's our legal system. Right. The courts of law are starting to now take the sides of bureaucrats right. over you over as a parent. You. And I, again, to spell it out, because I was a person, I think, who maybe was a little bit slower um, to the table on some of this, they're by saying, you as a parent do not know best and we know better. And that is a really, that is such a dangerous place to be. And I think that is a primary reason when we really boil it down that we are the authority with our children Obviously, God is the authority over us. We are the authority over our children. We do know what is best for them. And so for a, a government system, for any system to come in and say, we know best, you don't, that should be the biggest red flag. And if you do not have a community around you that is going to support you on that, then I feel like you're in the wrong place. And it's that is something that has to, I think, constantly be in people's faces to make them sort of decide and think, because what's going to happen, and it did happen to us a little bit at times, was then the kids start to question us. And not that asking questions is wrong, but when the school or a government is coming in and causing kids to say, well, my teacher said this and they're right and you're wrong, you know, that's a really bad spot to be pitting kids against their families. Yeah, or we're still, uh, your parents aren't going to understand this. So if you'd rather not share it with them, you don't need to for fear of, and the If you don't feel like you can get dressed at home, you can come here to this closet we created here. The constant theme is whatever whatever thought, whatever Mm -hmm. emotion, whatever behavior you want to act out here, and you think your parents won't like it, well, you're fine to do it here and we'll just keep it from them. Right. That's terrifying. I really do think back to the counselors that I worked with, and I, in retrospect, if, if in case if this is actually factual that let's say the school district i worked for did have the gender affirming language that kind of thing going through the curriculum which i did not notice but if it did i feel very good and grateful in retrospect that i worked with counselors that the first thing they did whenever there was any kind of situation was call home. That's what it should be. They called home. Yes. Now, and we, and that includes, I will say, it includes the families where we also knew, ooh, that might be a little tenuous of a situation to call home because we know how that parent's going to react. But there were ways to do things. There were ways to handle things. But this is a scary place when you have teachers that are mandated reporters who are now, because of some of this legislature, some of these issues coming through, legislation coming through, some of these court mandates coming through, if we have teachers now that are in mandated court reporter positions who think that what you and I believe is harmful, this opens up a whole new ballgame for people to yeah. come after parents. No, this is this is how the door is opened. Mm-hmm. This is the anti-Christian bigotry that right. we need to know is veiled at present, but is slowly the veil's being lifted. Right. Uh, it, it is saying that if you don't embrace this, you're the bigot, you're the mm-hmm. adversary. And states like Massachusetts and California have already taken the position, uh, by the way. You're yeah. on notice. I think New York as well. You're on notice, parents. If you don't uh, embrace the idea that your child is trans and wants to be a different gender, the school district will be their parent, and you are the abuser. abuser. And we will, in some cases, even take your child from you if you continue to oppose their gender ideology. Students in Michigan, however, here's a a different turn on this same story. Students in Vicksburg, Michigan, with help from their guardians, have sued the Vicksburg community schools and district, alleging they allowed biological males to use the girls' multi-user private restrooms and locker rooms. Uh, A lawsuit filed by the students and on behalf of their guardians said... um, Students are allowed to use restrooms that allegedly didn't correspond with their gender. 
Uh, Vicksburg, 15 miles uh, of Kalamazoo. The suit alleges the school district discriminated against students and violated their privacy rights by allowing male students to dress as girls and use the girls' multi-user private restrooms and locker rooms. So some students in Michigan are actually fighting back. That's cool. The attorney general in California is suing a district, much like in New Jersey. I think I shared this with you a few shows ago. The attorney general in California, Rob Bonta, announcing a lawsuit against Chino Valley's Unified School District over their newly adopted policy that requires schools to notify parents if their kids change their gender identification. Again, common sense. (coughs) Coast to coast, there are still school boards and school districts that are trying to do the right thing. Governors, attorneys general, courts of law are taking the side of this lunacy. It's such a crazy place to be in, but it's also... uh, At one point, I just wonder, like, when is the crazy going to cause people to wake up? But I guess we're... We've also been witnessing a lot over the last several well, years we of it's awake. just not I mean, enough. I, the, right. the point is we weren't awake, and I regret right. that we weren't. Uh, and, and so I, in, in my lifetime, mm-hmm. the rest of my life, yeah. I'm going to hopefully commit myself, and I know you too, uh, will yeah. be committed to waking parents up. I would you know. I, there isn't a safe place. No. I just, I, I, I can't stress this no. enough to believers. Right. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, <laughs> I want you to listen to me. You are not going to find Christ in public school. You're just not. You may find some exceptional teachers, and you may get some great education in certain classes. You are not going to find your Christian life uh, verified, affirmed, validated, and taught in public school. Everything about the modern public school today is an affront to your belief in Christ. And so I say to my Christian brothers and sisters, there is no safe school district. There is no safe neighborhood where you're going to be able to avoid this madness. It is in literally every single district from coast to coast. And that's not an exaggeration. Pick your most conservative state, pick your most left-wing state. This is in every single damn district in the country. Your district is not safe. Your favorite teacher is not immune. And I just, I hope everybody is on notice here. This is, we're not we're not playing anymore. Courts of law are now getting involved and they're siding against you as a parent, as a Christian parent trying to raise your kids. And we've got to take it seriously. We've got to take it seriously. You know, it's it's reasons like what you just said that I try as a parent, as a mom, as a wife to kind of arm myself, obviously with the Bible, first and foremost, knowing what's in it, knowing how to um, explain how it applies to my life, but also how it applies to our kids. But find the things that are going to act as supports for me. So I'm always sharing books, I'm sharing magazines, I'm sharing articles, that kind of thing. Um, And this one is one we've mentioned before. And I do think there are, I think you have to vet every publication all the time. And well, anything, right? Anything anymore that we bring into our homes, we have to be vetting. But this one is um, from Renew Nation. We've talked about this before. It's called The Review. And this one always has, well, this magazine itself always has articles that talk about education, talk about parenting, sometimes talk about marriage. This one talked about marriage, which I thought was interesting, um, but always through the lens of the Bible. Because I think if you are, if your kids are sitting in places not just schools, um, dance lessons, sports teams, um, after-school activities, coaches that they're around, whoever it is, they're always going to be around people who are not going to share your belief system. And that's normal. That's how it, that's just how it's going to be. I don't think we can always keep them 100% away from everything, but I like magazines like this. I like publications like this. And this one had an article um, in it that really, the two of them that jumped out at me. And one of them was explaining just kind of common objections to Christian education as a whole. And what you just said was one of them um, that one of the objections that people generally say is, Well, I went to a public school. I love Jesus. I'm fine. Everything is fine. And one, this is this article actually was by Josh Mulvihill. We've talked about a couple of his books before on our podcast. We've interviewed him before. Solid, solid, solid guy. Um, But he said, and this was a sentence that jumped out at me in this article. So someone says, well, I'm fine. I went to public school. I'm fine. Um, Which I would argue you're 
probably not. I went to a public school too. I went to Catholic and public school. I'm, I was probably not fine because I wasn't as solid as I needed to be. Um, I had a good base, but I wasn't as uh, involved and I wasn't as um, devoted, I think, as a learner, as a, as, a, as a student of Christianity as I should have been and that I definitely try to be now. But the sentence that he wrote says, the Bible has to be our authority, and it has to tell us, and it does tell us the what, the why, the who, and the how of education. And then also he says to remember that public schools today are fundamentally different than the public schools that you remember, and they're exponentially more secular in every way. Um, You know, our biggest problems, he said, are not chewing gum and running in the halls. Christianity and biblical morality have largely been banned from schools, and they've been replaced with a woke agenda and LGBTQ ideology, declining academics, escalating violence, um, anti-family agendas, and atheism in the curriculum. In other words, God is nowhere in there. Even with the Christian teacher teaching that class, God is still not present in the overall arching um, curriculum. And that the, like, just remember that he, he also is saying that the end does not justify the means. Um, and experience is not our standard of authority. So don't use, like, I should not be using my experience to justify what I'm going to do for my kids. In other words, I need to be looking at what is best for our kids now and not be looking at what, um, what worked 30 years ago because that's not necessarily going to be the same thing now. And we yeah, have to kind of disabuse ourselves of that notion. And that was just something that jumped out from that article. There were multiple pieces in there, multiple points that he said. I would definitely, you can go online and you can order individual copies and just have them sent. That's not very much money at all um, to have it sent. And it's like twice a year that it comes out. But I feel like when I have these in front of me and I'm reading, you know, some of the articles in here, uh, Teaching a biblical worldview using stories. Helping your child learn personal responsibility. This one I liked. How camping helps disciple children. I was (laughs) like, hmm, okay, that's, you know, I love it. Um, But another one, biblical principles for a lifelong marriage. So it's not just about our kids. You and I, for example, have to be solid in what we're doing in order to impart that to our kids. We have to be the ones that are watchful and paying attention. Like you mentioned, we were not for a long time. Even when we kind of were, we weren't ready to um, kind of let go of what we knew to kind of go towards what we needed. Um, There's uh, an article in here that I thought was really interesting called There's No Such Thing as a Values-Free Education. Um, It just doesn't exist. So if you have an absence of Christian education, of Christian values, you're going to be, that's a vacuum that's going to be filled with a whole lot um, from our society. So those are things that I I find resources like this are super, super helpful to me. It may be a little bit old school for some people. I'm sure there's a digital version. You don't have to pull from a magazine. But I just think those types of resources, these things, they're so, so important to have yeah. at our fingertips to access, to combat what is happening. Out in Montgomery County, Maryland, there's a guy, he's a Muslim, and we've talked about this, you yeah. know, not just those of us who are Christians, but Muslims, you know, it, uh, this, if you're someone of faith, if if um, if your faith um, is deeply important to you, I assure you there's a public school willing to offend it. <laughs> and uh, the Muslims uh, are experiencing this as well. On Thursday, a Maryland district court sent a clear message to Montgomery County parents in Maryland. You don't get a say in what your kids read at school. The ruling came as a shock to many parents, the majority of the Muslim and Ethiopian Christians who supported a federal lawsuit against the Montgomery County Board of Education earlier in the summer on uh, these new school, you know, and you've heard all about the books. But anyway, one of this, um, one of the parents in this story, um, a guy named uh, Hagag, I believe is his last name, um, in disbelief as a devout Muslim, he didn't want his daughter, who's going into second grade this fall, reading any of this uh, stuff, and I, you, you know all mm-hmm. the book titles. Right. Uh, the books he told me cover sensitive topics that we object to and we don't believe should be in our schools. And he was far from alone. He went on to form something. And this is what I thought was kind of interesting about this. He's, and maybe we can reach out to him uh, and do a show here. Um, he co-founded a group called Family Rights for Religious Freedoms, creating uh, 
a new curriculum, or at least to restore the opt-out provision that lets parents decide if their children, still years away from puberty, would be required to read books about gender and sexual identity. So here's a group in Montgomery County, Maryland, forming a group called Family Rights for Religious Freedom. I would just simply say, I'm sure there's a great faith-based Muslim school or great Christian school, or you know, I know our homeschool friends would say, for heaven's sakes, just homeschool them then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why create this thing called Family Rights for Religious Freedoms? I appreciate it very Mm -hmm. much. I do, but there are too many great options. And here, God bless these people, the curriculum's an affront to them and their sensibilities, so they feel like they got to do something, so they're trying to create this opt-out group. Anyway, uh, it summarizes this way. An Ethiopian Christian mother and a member of this group called the school's actions a state-sponsored campaign to shame us into a corner. For the first time, many in her church became energized civically. Busloads of Ethiopian Christians from her congregation have joined protests at the uh, Board of Education. They're trying to replace our values, she said, about their school administrators. They're not just pushing to read books. They're creating an army Mm -hmm. of our kids That's how she said it. I thought that was so interesting. They're creating an army of our kids. It's a religion for them. I feel like as a Christian, my kids are getting (laughs) re-baptized in another religion. I feel like as a Christian, my kids, and ma'am, they are. All (laughs) due respect, she's exactly right. They are. This is what I just said. They're on the right track. Right. They're sensitive to it. but, But I'm sorry to say, I don't mean to discourage them. I don't think the answer is let's create a group and force the school district to acknowledge our religious objections. Right. I I I don't think that's going to work, do you? No. I hate to sound pessimistic, no. but No. But I but I do admire and respect standing up for yes. the attack on kids because I I do think I do think there is something to be said and I, it's it's insidious and it does it sounds even kind of like conspiracy theorists crazy, but I do think there is a pretty big push to start um, weaponizing what is happening in the classroom in order to create a whole generation of kids that thinks parents are stupid, thinks the Christianity, the values, the beliefs, those that is is out of date, that it's not relevant, that it doesn't apply, that it's old and archaic. Like I do think that is a, I think that is a. Huge movement in our not, but imagine not just how our much country, worse, but here. How much worse is it for your kids if you exclude them from things in secular public school that all the other kids are doing? Like I, I would think you're actually making things exponentially worse for your kid. Now you're, I mean, not only do you continue to send them into the furnace, but right. now you're telling them they get to sit outside the furnace while everyone else sits inside and right. burns. It's just I, I, I rather don't know. than just kind of coming together for the. Or just, ex- all, or, or just, just extracting them totally, from it. Pull totally. There's a you know you mentioned something about homeschooling that I think is important. Um, you know we don't homeschool. I always tossed around the idea for a while. Um, pro- probably most selfishly did not do it for my like I said for my own selfish purposes. But if you want that total control, that is that is your real true only option yep. right yep. like and i and kudos to the people that are homeschooling because i i know that they know that i know we know that right we're still okay with a system that we have our kid in but if you don't want your children in a system uh, even like a christian system school system totally your choice and you want to go the homeschool route i think that is your only way to ensure everything about what they're learning as as well you should i think that's I think that's wonderful, um, and I think it's especially important now. Obviously, we're we're focused mostly on on religious, um, spiritual pieces of all this, but there are a lot of um, a lot of other factors going on. You know, there's talk about COVID and resurgence and masks and things like that. Well, how about violence? Well, or yes, yes. How about this one from the Philadelphia Inquirer? This is a stunning story. Um, <laughs> I. I read this on my radio show uh, in Philadelphia. Non-invasive gun detection, drones, uh, more modern cameras, off-duty city police stationed outside schools when situations warrant. City and school district officials in Philadelphia said students and families will see beefed-up security as the school district prepares to open its 216 schools. Uh, The minimally invasive gun detection 
Despite metal detectors at every city high school, far too many weapons made their way into city schools over the last two years as students are attempting to bring weapons in at younger ages. So uh, they ran a test pilot program at two middle schools using minimally invasive gun detection. Essentially, it's a tool that uses AI to scan students as they walk into the building. It's not a metal detector. (laughs) Students don't have to remove their bags or be searched. Instead, they walk between two parallel poles, and school safety officers are alerted if a weapon is detected. Twelve middle schools will be implementing that. Drone monitoring. 15 officers at a school, uh, it's expensive to put 15 officers at a school during a major athletic or community event. It's cost effective, though, to put a drone up in the air. And this is amazing. Even training some students as drone pilots. So I want you to imagine the local high school football game. Mm -hmm. And I mean, again, I'm Mm -hmm. not faulting. You're trying to protect kids. Uh, Now you've got school, you know, your students are now volunteering to learn how to man the drones to surveil the Friday night football game to make sure nobody gets shot. You know, our school just recently implemented a bunch of new safety procedures and it's, it feels like a lot, I think to some parents. And again, in response to that, if you are not comfortable with those things, you've got, you've got to go, right? Like I, I think I'm fine where we're at. I understand why they're doing what they're doing at our school, for example. I know exactly why they're putting drones into place. Um, we just had this morning um, at a local school district, a uh, smaller rural district, um, a kid was found with a unloaded gun in their backpack. And yeah. luckily somebody saw, you know, heard about it, told the teacher, they figured it out, they got it out, got it taken care of quickly. It's there. It's, it's in every, it's it's everywhere, right? It's everywhere. And so I think there's there's a lot that, I think needs to be considered. Do I want my kids um, underneath the scope of a drone having, you know, AI being involved and in how they're being monitored? No, probably not. But that is where we're at. Um, but if you're not comfortable with that, again, if you're not part, you're not comfortable being part of a system like that, then I do think your option is to homeschool, to pull out, um, you know, pull them out of where they are. But it's a reality, I think, of where of where we're at. I Minnesota. think last year's events showed that. To Minnesota, most Minneapolis students don't most Minneapolis students don't consistently attend school. Most don't even attend it. Number of Minnesota students who consistently attend school has dropped by fifteen percent since twenty nineteen. Uh, the last time attendance data was released, the number of students with consistent attendance records has dropped from eighty five percent to sixty nine percent. Uh, data also found that between, uh, or sorry, based on 2023 statewide assessments, you've heard this before, mm-hmm. 50% of students are not proficient in reading, 54% not proficient in math. Uh, I would say probably not history either when you hear the story of the Colorado middle school teacher who kicked the kid out of class. You probably heard about him. We might have talked about him on a previous we show. We did not talk about him oh, yet here. No, we yeah. did not. Uh, 12-year-old kid wears a don't tread on me patch mm-hmm. on his backpack. He goes to school, and the middle school teacher calls home and takes the boy down to the office and said, we got to do something about this racist patch on your son's <laughs> backpack. And the mom has the foresight to pull out her cell phone to record the whole exchange. The teacher, earnestly, mm-hmm. very concerned that the 12-year-old is wearing the racist don't tread on me patch. The 12-year-old, it's wonderful video. He's <laughs> sitting there smiling ear to ear because he knows that this woman is an ignorant fool. <laughs> Uh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Right. The Don't Tread on Me patch is a revolutionary war flag. It has nothing to do with slavery. Right. It well preceded uh, right. the Civil Rights era or even the Civil War. Yeah. I mean, the, the Don't Tread on Me was about secession from the British. Right. Uh, this woman didn't know that. And uh, now the school is tripping all over itself, apologizing. Allowing even, the pa- but uh, that's Even a, the governor had to right. step in and go, oh, she didn't know what yeah. she was talking about. <laughs> that's a great How example, though, of just... Kind of, not kind of, it is an example of just standing your ground when you know you should. Like, you you just should. I actually, I laughed. I, you know, I... <laughs> This isn't to be a. I don't. I don't throw men under the bus whatsoever. Um, well, but well, not publicly anyway. <laughs> but there, you know, there were a lot of people and several of those that video that was circulating. Like, why wasn't the dad there? Why wasn't the dad there? And I just, I laughed because I just thought, you know, what did 
that's what you want to focus on. That was legit. That was their concern. Like that whole thing is happening. And somebody's like, why wasn't the dad involved? And I thought, you're missing the whole point. We, who cares? Who cares if it's the mom, the dad, whatever. Showing up. Jumping in there, the moms are the ones like you just said well, earlier. Look, you I'll know you, half the conversations. No, I have I'll give with the you kids. all the credit in the world. Like, <laughs> uh, if if there's something going on at school right now, I know full well you're going to be well uh, versed right. on it and fully engaged on it before I even get up and put my <laughs> pants on. And I just know you will, and I, that maybe maybe that right. makes me a bad guy or a no, bad parent or whatever. But I know you've got it handled. I think though, I trust you. You know, it's something you and I talk about. I weigh everything. I'm like, do I bother him with this? Is this because sometimes it's just a crazy flare up, especially more in the public school realm for sure. Um, it's just a it's a one shot type thing. I'm like, do I even bring this up? Is this like a thing? And then there are times where I'm like, no, you should probably know what's happening. This is what this vote is about. This is what this thing is about. This is what. But like, I think. Traditionally, it just works this way. A lot of the moms are just there for the day to day. I don't need to bother you with 95% of what's happening. Well, but again, we're also fortunate but, that you can be there and be engaged yes. in a way that mm-hmm. I can't. Right. And I, right. I very yes. much am aware that there are many two parent homes yes. who are, you have both parents that are out of the house working all day. And that does give me cause to think if you had a traditional mm-hmm. outside of the home job every day. Right. Uh, I probably wouldn't. I, know. I don't know that you'd know anything more than I know. No, and I do. And laugh maybe that's our problem. I don't. I mean, I get approached sometimes like you. You always seem to kind of know what's going on. That's what they'll say to me. I'm like, I know a teeny fraction, and that's maybe I'm no. Maybe I'm too nosy. Maybe I'm too. You know, no. like not when it comes to the kids out there. But I'm like, I have to know what's. I want to know, and if I don't, I'm like, I'll listen to it and take it in. I'll decide if it's worth getting upset about or saying anything about and then I kind of peel back and then I decide you know like I think in the case of that kid in Colorado I think the mom literally happened to be nearby and the kid was like you can call her I think she's (laughs) shopping here doing whatever and the mom just showed right up like you know in a situation like that like if if it's minor and the mom clearly knew her info she didn't need to have at that point the backing of the well, husband or whatever, who cares? Let's, like, let's give a real world example. This just happened. I witnessed it w- with my own ears. I was sitting between you and another mother discussing your concerns about something that was happening inside our Christian school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I don't know what the heck it was that the two of you were talking about. <laughs> I still don't really understand it, but sh- this this particular parent who had previous outside uh, experience mm-hmm. with public education, and you who do too. Right. Um, you both were talking uh, at length about potential concerns about something that had infiltrated our Christian school. Yes. And you were going to make it a point. You both said you were going to make it a point. If you're going to spend the time and the resources and the energy to invest in this school, Mm -hmm. you're going to ferret it out. You're going to let the people that run that school know. I trust that you will. I know that you will. Right. But here again, this goes to the point. It's it's not enough to say, well, our daughter's in Christian school, so we can just... Coast and put it on cruise control. N- yeah. No, we're even seeing. Apparently, you've mm-hmm. been. I mean, I'm yeah. just learning. There are things now that are that <laughs> Small, we have to keep our right. eye on there. Right, and I, you know, and and that's another. That's actually a perfect example because I had seen something that like a, along that topic or whatever, and I was like, "What is that?" And so I sent a quick thing off. Felt better about it. She, <laughs> my friend, was like, "Yeah, I said the same thing, but I did not get a good response." And I was like. Okay, noted. And it's it's hard because you don't want to be in this gossipy, always way, looking for a negative problem. No, but we should but, continue to explore and discuss that here. I think we will. Yeah. If if this thing, right. and I, I say that the reason no, I'm being vague not, about yeah. it is because yeah. I don't know yet, yeah. but when I get more educated, if it doesn't right. rectify itself, I think we talk about it here right. because this is important. It yeah. isn't, this is what homeschool folks stand in uh, righteous <laughs> Wait, right they're like no it's 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 righteous <laughs> right. admonition mm-hmm. of the rest of us yes. because they would say well you see uh, you've pulled them out of public yeah. school put them in christian school now you have a concern about your christian your school your christian school is just an extension of the public school yeah. it's just and, you know and i recognize mm-hmm. that yeah. and i hear it yeah uh but you know this podcast the herzog foundation stand believe very much in christian education right. we do too i think it's a companion uh, you know, your your youth group, your Sundays, your worship are all fine, but I think the idea of getting a, 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 a solidly Christian-rooted education Monday through Friday is, is a good thing for kids, mm-hmm. particularly for those of us who 
maybe are, aren't able or, or not right. willing or can't teach at home, um, it's the next best option. And everything that you just listed, the Sunday school, the Wednesday nights, the, you know, the youth groups, those are not without their um, pitfalls as well. Sure. We've talked to people. I, I just, I think it all comes Whenever down to- Whenever your kids are out of your control, right. I mean, and, and right. out of your physical- Yes. Uh, company. Mentorship, company yeah. rights, all that. I, it is just important to kind of be everywhere with eyes wide open. And I, and I could sit back and when our, you know, when she and I were talking, I could have been like, no, it's whatever. You don't even know. Like you don't even know. But actually I find her to be far smarter <laughs> than me on some topics. And so I absolutely, when, as she was talking, I'm like, nope, nope, you're making some really good points. And I will 100% be right alongside with you asking questions, checking, thinking, verifying, but uh, it, praying it, about it. We have to do those things. I'll just say it com- I, I won't important. totally bury it, but it, it basically comes out of what is called counseling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The counseling area. Where yes, is all arena. this, yes. this, and this is where this insidious garbage came from in the public schools. Right. It all comes out through this thing called counseling. Yes. Yes. And, and <laughs> group think, I'll say that. Group yeah. Think. That's Ca- another counsel- very dangerous area. Counseling. Is a very, very broad um, and often secularized term that ends up corrupting a lot of kids. And you have to be careful with it. Which for is not sure. not to say there's not a place for legitimate mm-hmm. trained therapists and counselors, but uh, boy, has it been corrosive. Right. And yes, it can enter even our Christian schools. So yeah, yeah you got to be on guard. Well, that's a lot today. It was. <laughs> um, but it was good to get through because I had a whole stack of stories mm-hmm. that we'd been sitting on for a while because of the great interviews that we've had. And um, we we always try to, you know, bring in good guests, but I think sometimes it's good to peel back and stop and just kind of reassess reassess kind of where we're at. Well, what, why we're you know, doing it. What we're about. You right. know, that this stuff right. is constant. It's like I said, it's a fire hydrant. It's every day. I, I happen to have a mm-hmm. job where I watch the news every day. And what stuns me is the number of news stories that now have to do with our children and what they're up right. against in education. Almost every, certainly every week, I won't say every day, but there's not a week that goes yeah. by that I that the two or three stories don't cross my desk. And you know, the stories that are coming across your desk, those are the big things, it, the daily stuff. You know, yep. if we have, we have kids that, you know, have access to social media, um, some and more, uh, limited capacity than others. Um, everybody is different on their, you know, their approach to that. But if we're seeing these big stories, it's the little, it's the daily stuff. It's the little things. It's the TikToks. It's the, you know, the reels, that kind of thing. The Just the conversations that we want to just be aware of and making sure that we're focused on um, biblically addressing as much as we can, whenever we can, in our own homes first. So, yeah, so, we're entering this new fall yeah. and another school year. And, you know, the reason we started this show was to discuss our decision to try to make a difference and a change in our own lives. Uh, far from perfect, probably still not getting no, it right. right. But we're yeah. trying. We made a decision and we made the leap. And if you're listening to this and you still haven't, uh, for all of these reasons, all of these stories and conversations that we've had today and so many more that I hope are personal to you, uh, I hope you'll consider it too. I hope you'll go back and continue to refresh yourself on all of the interviews and conversations we've had over the last year. And share some of your experiences with us. Yeah. I, we love hearing those. You can always leave us a message through social media, through email. Um, all those links are down below. You are welcome to reach out. We're, I will say our, we're getting kind of an uptick on emails in terms of that's like, good. you should talk to this person, you should talk to this person. I love that. I think that's amazing. I kind of sort through a lot of those. So we're always, always open to those. Um, that's how we have found majority of our amazing people that we've been able to have on. So um, leave us a comment below, subscribe, um, you know, leave us a review, reach out anytime, always here for it. And we will talk to you next week. funny yesterday we had making the leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the herzog foundation please rate and comment on the show as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode and we'll see you next time on making the leap